When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company, a nationally ranked community-focused bank with over 30 locations throughout Virginia, Northeast Tennessee, and North Carolina. Who you choose to bank with can make all the difference. Visit firstbank.com to learn more. What's going on, Hokie Nation? Welcome in to episode 301 of the Tech Sideline podcast. A little bit of a shorter approach today as Chris Coleman is on the set and we dive into the latest news with Virginia Tech football recruiting. That's coming up and more here on episode 301 of the Tech Sideline podcast. And it starts right now. So glad to be back here on the microphone in this awesome set here at the Corporate Research Center in Blacksburg. We record on Thursday, July 20th, 2023 from our high-tech studio at the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center here in Blacksburg, Virginia. We welcome you in, whether you're listening to us on your favorite podcast service or if you're watching us on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe while you're over there and also turn on the notification bell so you don't miss any future TSL content. Tech Sideline is, of course, presented by First Bank and Trust Company. And this episode is also brought to you by Coldwell Banker Townside Realtors, trusted real estate services for the Roanoke and New River Valleys. Are you in the market to purchase or sell a residential property? Are you looking for land or investment property here in Southwest Virginia? Well, we have you covered with three offices in the area. Visit cbtownside.com to learn more. All right. Well, simple introductions today. Just me and Chris talking a little bit of college football. Chris Coleman, of course, the lead analyst and columnist here at TSL. Founder and general manager, Will Stewart, producing behind the scenes today. Chris, I mean, it just feels like this is an exciting vibe, an exciting buzz around Virginia Tech football recruiting right now. Uh, you have two very recent commitments. The most recent, Eric Mensa, a six foot three, two hundred ninety pound line. Or, uh, excuse me. Uh, edge rusher. Uh, I have LB. Of course, I say uh, meaning pounds, and of course, I say linebacker. Neither is going to turn out to be right, though. Okay, defensive, defensive tackle. tackle all I the figured. way. You know, he's a, he's a guy who was listed anywhere between like two fifty and two ninety, and I want to say maybe we, when he got lit, when he probably got entered into the two four seven database, he was probably listed at two fifty or two fifty five. So they just said edge rusher, right? But the problem with that is like two four seven and some of these sites. They never project growth for players. Like, right. if this guy is 16 years old, he's not going to stay 250, 255. 
Well, and he's, he's already huge. Now he's 285 or 290. His position hasn't gotten updated on 247. He's a defensive tackle all the way for Virginia Tech. I figured, and I read that in your article, just wanted to give it what 247 uh, had offered. He committed on July 17th, a three-star. And then, of course, Keelan Adams, the big one, arguably the biggest recruit Virginia Tech's pulled in in quite some time, a six-foot-one, 170-pound, and I'm not going to say linebacker this time, <laughs> wide receiver. He committed on the 13th, about four days before uh Mensa, but first and foremost, I just kind of want to start surface level here. Is this the best recruiting buzz that we've seen around Virginia Tech football in maybe the last 15 years, especially uh, since the Fuente days? No doubt about it. I think when Devin Hunter committed okay, was was big. All right, so Keelan Adams is top 150-ish or thereabouts. Devin Hunter was top 50. Like, he was... Four and a half star, I will say. Somewhere between a four star and a five star. Like everybody wanted Devin Hunter. And Virginia Tech won that battle. And remember, that was Fuente's first full recruiting class. So you're coming off a 10-win season in Fuente's first year. And then he signs Tech's highest rated recruit since, you know, goodness knows when. So I I would say that's the... I would say the day Devin Hunter committed was probably uh, there was a lot of recruiting hype. And, and Tech signed a lot of four-star recruits early in Fuentes' era. So, I mean, it's not like there wasn't there hasn't been hype. I remember there were like four or five guys from North Carolina who took their official visits to Virginia Tech the day Tech beat UNC 59-7 to in Lane Stadium. So, like, a bunch of dudes like, like Trey Turner and Dax Holyfield and Alan Tisdale, guys from the state of North Carolina were at that game right? and watched Tech hammer UNC. And there's a lot of hype around that weekend and things like that. But certainly the most exciting, uh, the exciting time for recruiting since early in, in the Fuente era. Well, let's go ahead and dive in and talk about Eric Mensa here. He uh, is the most recent commit, like we said. We're going to call it a defensive tackle. Uh, one more time, 6'3", 290 pounds out of Mountain View High School in Stafford, Virginia. We just talked about that. The Fredericksburg area, not necessarily a hotbed, so to speak, uh, for top college football talent. A three-star. He is the 37th-ranked edge rusher. Now, again, <laughs> if he's not an edge rusher, this is kind of worthless right um according to 247 sports the 11th ranked edge rusher in the state of virginia (laughs) oh no that'd be the 11th ranked player in the state of virginia okay okay 11th ranked player in the state of virginia uh nationally 818 uh 51st best edge rusher i mean this is just the metrics here and then uh 19th in virginia according to the 247 composite which kind of uh pulls in all of the other recruiting sites as well so um what do you expect out of him you expect him to make the move to dt and how can he add to this room where you've already gotten a couple of guys at his he's, position to commit he's already he plays defensive tackle in college or excuse me in high school like it is not a debate on what i want to make this very clear it's not a debate on what position he's going to play in college. He is a defensive tackle all the way. If anybody tells you he's an edge rusher, that's not it's not true. It's not going to happen. All right. He's a solid three-star recruit. He's exactly the, the, the defensive tackle I wanted to close out this defensive tackle class. He's a guy, he's got a college-ready lower body. Like his lower body is like Derek Noddy when Derek Noddy – came out of high school when he ended up going to Florida State and is currently in the NFL uh, out of the Virginia Beach area. His upper body has some catching up to do to his lower body, but this is a guy who doesn't look like he misses uh, big squat Fridays very (laughs) often. Um, I think he has the physical ability to contribute early. Uh, He'll have, like most high school defensive linemen, 
he's going to have to learn to play lower and things like that. But that's, you know, that could be coached out of him. That's not a big deal. Um, But, yeah, this is a guy who was a major target for Virginia Tech. And I like this defensive tackle class. You've got Emmett Laws, who I think is just such a great fit for the Tech scheme. Um, And then you've got Hanchuk up from, um, I believe, Ohio. I, he's got a he's got the body and everything like that, but but he only play he's tougher to evaluate because he kind of played like defensive end in a three three man line, and he only had four games of film this past year because he had a torn ACL, I believe. So he's tougher to evaluate, but I think the the physical ability is is, is there. Um, so, uh, I, you don't I don't look at this group and say, man, what a bunch of projects. Maybe one of these guys will be ready by his third year in the program. No, I mean, I think Laws will be ready to go pretty early in his career. And I think the same thing for Mensa. Well, we've kind of talked about that, right, with this position group in particular. They're so uh, senior heavy right now that mm-hmm. it almost like takes that gap. It almost takes like a year or two off and defensive tackle yeah. had to be a priority. That was something that you've said all the way through. So to get these three guys, two of them being a little bit on the higher end, uh, in particular in Laws and Mensa, you know, what can they do you see them being in a starting lineup their freshman year? That would be tough. I mean, I think I think these days of the tra- with the transfer portal, um, Virginia Tech I'm sure will still target a transfer portal defensive tackle this offseason, at least one. How, how many they target really is going to be determined by the three redshirt freshmen in the program right now, how they develop over the course of this season. Um, you know you're going to lose Narell Pollard. You know you're going to lose Mario Kendricks. Uh, Fuga is technically a senior. He's eligible to come back. He's eligible to come back and use his COVID year. He only played. Did he only appear in four games last year? Oh no, he played. In he played game. more, but Three. he was banged up a handful of times last year. Uh, he missed. He missed the Middle Tennessee game. Uh huh. He definitely missed that one. I want to say he missed Georgia Tech. He missed a handful of. Did games he really? Last okay. Year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but he's got another year left. Um, I think he'll use that year personally, but we don't know it for a fact, and that 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 will also determine how many you know transfer portal guys tech decides to take uh I, it's really really hard to start as a true freshman anywhere especially you know a very physical position like defensive tackle uh you know Derek Hopkins did it back in the day I believe and he was a great great player but you just don't see it happen very often I would not bet on either either one of those guys starting as a true freshman I think if one of them does it it's because Virginia Tech they, they don't if they if tech doesn't do a good job in the transfer portal then then maybe one of these guys could can can step in but uh so much is dependent on the de- development of the guys currently in the program so you know Lamar Law um Gunner Givens uh Malachi Madison those three guys how much progress they make between now and the end of this season will 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 play a big role in all of that Gunner being a top 10 last year in the state of Virginia mm-hmm. uh, in last year's class well let's go ahead and flip the script here and talk about Keelan Adams again he committed back on the 13th really good article just went out yesterday by Jason Stam on techsideline.com check it out he talked about how uh, he went on this cruise and that's really when his his stepfather said hey put football aside and and not think about it and then by the end of it he kind of had his decision that he wanted to be a part of the Virginia Tech family. He talked about, um, which I found very, very interesting, that he does plan on making a splash 
right off the bat. Fontel Mines and Tyler Bowen uh, have explained to him how they want to use him, even with the addition of Chaz Wiggins in the same recruiting class as well, another top guy in the state of Virginia. Uh, They said they want to get Adams the ball early, and they want him to be their go-to guy. That is him being quoted in that article. So what are your thoughts on him making a splash immediately? I think they want peak Keelan Adams to be their go-to guy. True freshman Keelan Adams, uh, you know, it's unlikely. And he's, he's a highly touted recruit. I've definitely, he's a definite four-star recruit in, in my book. He's got the athleticism, the explosiveness, uh, the leaping ability, uh, change of direction. You know, very, very, very good prospect. But you've got Jalen Lane eligible to return next year. Um, you know, two of your three transfer receivers are eligible to return next year. Dwayne Lofton's el- eligible to return next year. Uh, Gosnell is eligible to return next year. Um, you know, Chance Fitzgerald, four-star type wide receiver recruit. You know, Virginia Tech has done a good job bringing a lot of good receivers into the program over the last... Which they know, missed couple, last which year. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, do I think he'll have a chance to play as a true freshman? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, he's got he's to get some route running stuff cleaned up, and he even said that himself in, in the article. Uh, and sometimes when he catches the ball... He keeps it to the outside rather than tucking it in and things like that. So sometimes he doesn't necessarily catch it cleanly, although his, he does have good natural hands. So he's got some things he's got to work on. Um, but as far as like being the go-to guy as a true freshman, wide receiver, how often does that happen? It, True. It, it doesn't it, happen. It happens, but not, not, not very a, often. Not at, not at our school, if well, that well, makes I mean, sense. When it does happen, like all right, Isaiah Ford and Cam Phillips did it, but there were literally no upperclassmen. Right. They were the only two wide receivers that played that year. Really. Right. So if they had to be because the talent was so bad. Um, if Keelan Adams had, like, come in last year, then, then yeah, maybe maybe him and uh, Caleb Smith would have been, been the go-to guys. But Tech's going to have more options now, which is what you want. So you can, you can let a guy like Adams develop at his own rate, um, whether he starts as a true freshman or not or whether he catches – 40 passes or 12 passes or, or whatever, or even whether he red shirts, who knows? Um, either way, he's he's a very good long-term prospect for, for Tech, and it represents a big recruiting win uh, for Virginia Tech and for Fontel Mines specifically. Well, how do you think they complement each other when you talk about him and Wiggins? Wiggins, two mm-hmm. inches taller, could be looked at more as an outside type of guy, but really two inches definitely helps, but it seems like um, – both of them can be outside type receivers. Yeah, I think uh, Adams is probably the more versatile of the two who who could line up in the slot or on the outside. Um, I think Wiggins is – he's listed at 6'3". When you look at him, he's got good length. Like his arms are, look long. It really looks more like the frame of like a 6'4 guy or something like okay. that. So I, I, I would envision like let's just say, for example, two years down the line, three years down the line, whatever – You've got Chance Fitzgerald on the outside. Um, you've got Chance Wiggins in there on the outside. And then by default, you'd have Keelan Adams in the slot because the other two guys are legit 6'3", 6'4", type receivers. Uh, so I think there's a little more versatility there with Adams, and he could also potentially factor in in the, in the return game. He's, he's that type of he of athlete who, can, who has a good short area burst and – very good change of direction uh, ability. So uh, now, of course, being like a punt returner, the most important thing is 
is, you know, you've got to be a good center fielder. You've got to be able to judge fly ball, so to speak, and, and get under it and make the catch and make the right decisions. That's the most important thing. Um, but f- as far as from a pure athleticism standpoint, he, uh, he he's that type who could do that. Now, as somebody that, you know, grew up around basketball more so than football, now big, big football fan as well, but there's a lot of times where guys will commit and not end up at those schools, right. um, whether they go to the G League, whatever. That happens a lot in football, too, obviously, especially in today's day and age. It almost feels like there's that, like, false sense of hope. Like, I always look at it as, like, I'm not trusting that the guy's coming until even past – National Signing Day, and I see him in a Virginia Tech jersey on game day, right? Yeah. You got 16 guys in this class. How many do you expect to truly be here? And I want to ask this, too. They're recruiting each other on Twitter, everything. Is there that additional sense of commitment? Like, hey, I'm not just committed to Virginia Tech. I'm also committed to Davey Belfer, yeah. who wants to be my quarterback. And I'm committed to Wiggins, who wants to play beside me in the wide receiver room. I think uh, what what nobody taught is talking about I think what Brent Pry and his coaches have done such a good job of this year is getting all these guys together, putting them in a good environment where they're all friends and really tight. Now, you see it every year where recruits who were committed to a certain class, they're in group chats together, things like that. But this year's tech class seems to have taken that to another level. So, yes, if you want to take it public, it, right, right. Exactly. It's very public. And so if you decommit from Virginia Tech, you aren't just decommitting from Virginia Tech. You're de- decommitting from Gabe Williams. And, and good luck with that. <laughs> I, I think I think I think Brent Pry understands what peer pressure is. And peer pressure can be a good thing if you're trying to keep a recruiting class together, right? Um, listen, it's just it's part of the game these days, but it's always been part of the game. It's just more public now, right? It's just more public. And uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you this: I was looking at uh, Keelan Adams' uh, Instagram yesterday. He's deleted all his pictures from his other visits off his Instagram, except for his Virginia Tech visit. Interesting, you know. So he just seems all in to me. And I will say this. I will say this. These guys commit to Virginia Tech coming off a 3-8 and eight season. They're committing for a different reason rather than just winning football games. Oh, yeah. If Keelan Adams wanted to commit the team that won the most games for the last year or two, he could have gone to Alabama or South Carolina or someplace like that. Like that. And, you know, Gabe Williams would have, would have had other options like that as well. So uh, I feel good. I'm not saying that the, every single player is going to stay committed and things like that because the law of averages is, is against that. But I don't think there's going to be some wholesale. You know, I don't think we're going to get to December and, and it's going to be like four guys decommitting in, in, in a week or something like that. I, f- I feel very good about this class staying together as a whole. Well, now compositely, when you put all the, the recruiting sites together, it, it seems that the consensus is Virginia Tech has three top 10 recruits in the state of Virginia, that being uh, Gerard Johnson being one of them, Keelan Adams being one of them, and then Chance Wiggins on a lot of sites is in the top 10 as well with a couple of guys right on the fringe. Um, I want to ask you about now Makai White, who's also a possible top 10 guy. What does this do for the wide receiver room as far as is there any room left for him to bring in another receiver at this point? Tech might be done at wide receiver recruiting, I think. I personally think that Makai White would have committed to Virginia Tech by now if Virginia Tech right now was planning on take a, taking a third receiver. Um, but they took four receivers last year. 
Um, they have they signed three in the transfer portal, two of which are elig- eligible to come back next year. You already had y- have young receivers in the program with with three years left. You know, like Tucker Holloway or even a couple of guys. Uh, you know, the Bradshaw kid who redshirted last year. He's got four years left. So and they're, and they're pretty high on him. So you've gotten to the point where. A lot of times what you see programs do when they're short on players and talent at a position, they'll over-recruit it. They'll sign more players than they should. You think you should sign two guys this year at this position based on the numbers, but from a pure talent standpoint, you need to sign more. So mm-hmm. you so you assign four players in the hopes gener- recruiting is generally a 50-50 type thing. You sign two guys, probably only one of them is going to be good. But if you sign four, then you'll probably get two good players out of that. So you'll see schools over-recruit a certain position, and then they'll back off. So Tech over-recruited wide receiver last year. And and then you throw in the portal on top of that. And they had to. But now they've got the numbers right, and they feel like their overall talent level is better. You know, it's, it's, it's just back like anything off. else. It's it's a, it's a numbers game at that position. So like, I would love to take Makai White. Who are you going to cut to right. take Makai White? Honestly, it, it, the thing that's interesting is Makai White and Chance Wiggins, same high school, mm-hmm. King George yeah. High School in King George, Virginia. And it's like, so this is a situation I, where it's it's not that he doesn't want to come. It's that Tech I, might not have a spot. I mean, right now, I mean, assuming Tech signs another linebacker or two, another defensive end, a couple more offensive linemen. You're talking, and we're not even talking about the transfer portal right now. You're talking about a hundred guys on scholarship next year, so you're gonna have to lose fifteen players in the off season, so or thereabouts. And so you can't at this point you can't be adding players unless it's at a position of need. And wide receiver is not a position of need. And I know, I know that bothers some people because it's an in-state recruit. I don't. I wish Makai White was a year older because he would have been a definite take in last year's class. Right. 100% take. Well, there's one guy that I think all Virginia Tech fans really want to see in a Hokie uniform, uh, the top dog in the state. And it seems like the word on the street is Tech's got a real darn good shot of landing this guy. That's Chris Cole out of Salem, Virginia, just down the road, which I find even more interesting. Salem, obviously, is a great high school football program. But a lot of these top dudes are coming from – the 757, some coming from Northern Virginia and Nova. No, we got a guy right here 40 minutes down the highway, um, down 81, uh, up north in Salem. What are the odds, Techlands, Chris Cole, in your opinion? I think they're fairly strong. Uh, I think the Hokies feel good about it. I would not guarantee it, of course. I mean, there's going to be a lot. There's a lot of major schools that want Chris Cole, and he's going to do his due diligence and take a lot of visits, and he already has taken a lot of visits, but I know that you know, Virginia Tech's in his top eight or whatever right now. They're going to be in his top five. They're going to be in his top three. They're going to be in his top two, most likely. The question is whether they're going to be in his top one right. at the end of the process. They were the first school to recruit him. Okay, so in junior day last year for a basketball game, a bunch of recruits were in town. I think he, maybe even Keelan Adams was, was at that junior day. But you look up there, and there's Pry sitting with the recruits, and he's sitting next to Chris Cole the whole game. This was when Chris Cole was unranked. Like, if you paid close attention to tech recruiting, you knew who he was, but the national sites and stuff did not know who he was. He had not started picking up these offers from Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee and Notre Dame yet. He was just some unranked 
maybe three star guy from from Southwest Virginia. Uh, nobody else was paying him any attention. Virginia Tech has been paying him close attention before anybody else has, um, and and that's Pry has said. Virginia Tech should always have more information on in-state products, that, uh, on in-state recruits and in-state prospects than any other school. So theoretically, yes, Virginia Tech should be able to get in there on in-state recruits before anybody else does. Virginia Tech got in there before anybody else on Keelan Adams. All right, now, It was a previous staff, but still, Virginia Tech has been recruiting Keelan Adams since he was 14 years old. Daryl Tapp originally extended the offer to Keelan Adams. Right. Right? Um, so... That early familiarity helps, um, even if there's like a coaching change, like you saw the early familiarity with the school. Uh, you get in there and you take early visits and you like the vibe of the school. I mean, Chris Cole's visited Virginia Tech ten times, ten times. One official, one but, but ten. <laughs> correct, but you're only allowed one official. Right, right, right. right. Uh, right. I don't think he's any, visited anybody else more than three, and most people just one or two. Helps that uh, he lives 30 minutes away. But. Correct, but it's the fam- familiarity level. And generally speaking, you know, people stay in their comfort zone, Right, I, I would say. Uh, so, like, I mean, I w- don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, if, I'm not going to go off to, like, Vegas and place a bet on it or anything like that. But, Give us a percentage. Because but, but, 247 says 35% he's coming to say. Or, let me see. Let me see. Oh, on, th- on three dozen on three. percentages. Yes. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, they had Keelan Adams at like 12%, and then when it looked like he was coming to Virginia Tech, all of a sudden it jumped up to 95% in like one day, right? So, uh, I mean, I, I think there's – I guess if, if I had my own casino, you don't set it up like this, but I, I feel like there's a better than 50% chance that, that Tech gets Chris Cole. Now, since he's considering six, seven, eight different schools, like if if you're a casino, you don't set up your bets like like that. I right. don't think, but uh, but I, I would say like, if there was a bet in Vegas, and I really wanted to turn a profit and I wanted to take a little a bit of a risk, it would be like Chris Cole ver- or you know Virginia Tech versus the field for Chris Cole. That'd be great value on Virginia Tech placing a bet on Virginia Tech. I right. think, yeah, okay. Last one for you here, Chris, before we kind of wrap things up. Kind of a two-parter. Is tech football recruiting back? Like, that seems to be the vibe. You're you're very much so in the mix in the top ten in the state once again. Uh, it almost feels like it's back to its old ways, and you're competing against the defending national champs in Georgia, in Alabama. You're in the conversation some, for some really high, highly touted guys. You have some four stars already committed as well. And the other thing is the whole Twitter thing, it's something I've never seen before. Is it too much? Are they are they going overboard where they're telling guys, all right, all right take a deep breath? Uh, tech Twitter is uh, it's always up and down, mm-hmm. right? I, I remember there was a point where, there was somebody who was influential on in-state recruiting. He got on Twitter and said, Coach Fuente hasn't hasn't been recruiting my area hard enough. He hasn't been recruiting me hard enough for my players and things like that. I know a lot of details about that situation. And Tech Twitter got saw that and, of course, went after Fuente. That hurt us and hurt Virginia Tech in recruiting big time. Like, that hurt Virginia Tech in recruiting more than anything else. And it was its own fan base. Mm. His own fan base. Because all that stuff that guy was saying was wrong. But it's something you cannot get out there and fight right. back against. You you can't you can't 
You can't feed it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but the fan base did. So the fan base really hurt Virginia Tech recruiting there. They didn't know they were doing it, but they really harmed Virginia Tech recruiting. And that's one of the reasons uh, Tech faced a talent deficit th- this past week. Uh, there were certain things go- involved in that situation that can't really be talked about and that Fuente couldn't really do anything about. And... Uh, the fan base bought into everything that guy was saying, and it hurt the program's recruiting efforts. Uh, it's the opposite now, now that everything's going well. Um, so the idea is to get the momentum going in the right way and keep it going in the right way. Because social media is these kids, like, first, it's the first thing to do in the morning, probably. They look at their phone and check their notifications and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's important to keep it going in, in, in the right direction. And, and I do think I'm excited about tech recruiting right now um, because I do think this staff, if they can do this after a three and eight season, what could they do after like an eight and four season or something when they actually have positive on right. field momentum? Right. Um, I, I think it's, I know it's back. It, it's tech's best recruiting staff since at least 2010 which was the last year Kavanaugh was on staff as a full-time coach. I actually think it's probably their best recruiting staff since 2005. Wow. Um, and that's when – it was after 2005 that they took Steinspring out of Virginia Beach so he could focus more on his offensive coordinator duties. They put Newsom in, in Virginia Beach instead – and then guys like Kevin Rogers left and Danny Pierman left, although he wasn't a great recruiter. But I feel like peak tech, rec- tech hasn't been like top, top, top level recruiting as far as I can go up and down the staff and look at this coach and that coach and, and this coach and say, yeah, really good recruiter, really good recruiter, et cetera. I think it might be their best staff since since 2005, but certainly since 2010. Um, I And... I, and I and I think that shows up in the recruiting rankings because if it wasn't a good recruiting staff, you don't just go out and sign, you know, top ten players like this coming off a three and eight season. Well, you brought up something interesting there, and I do want to piggyback off it briefly because I think it's worth touching on. How much pressure is there to now deliver this year? <laughs> because it almost feels like okay, you've you've said that you know you got to have belief without evidence here and you have to trust in that we're building something we're getting back to what we once were and and that when you read all these articles that seems to be the pitch obviously and Brent Pry very very good at doing that selling the family selling what Virginia Tech once was and wanting to get back there but how many years can you go 3 and 8 right. and until they say well now you're not there's nothing to sell so like <laughs> how much pressure is there to now at least go to like a bowl game this year in order to have positive momentum for the 2025 class. It's certainly important to uh, to show progress. Um, I look at Virginia Tech. They won three games last year, but they didn't get to play UVA, mm-hmm. and they almost always beat UVA. So uh, I think chances are they would have been a four and eight team last year. So you're looking for improvement from four and eight, basically. So. Yeah, a two-game improvement to six wins. When you've improved your talent level, which they certainly have, I don't think is unreasonable. And I think it would show progress for the fans and everything like that. And 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 it would validate everything that they're telling recruits. Like, we're, we need in-state kids to get back to where we were, and we are going to win games once the talent level gets back up, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if they go out there and win three or four games again, and then people start wondering if you're Jeff Collins. Mm. Right. A really, really good recruiter, but a guy who's just going to win 
three or four games every year, which right. is what happened with Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. Yeah. That dude was a great recruiter. Georgia Tech's never recruited like that before, at least as long as I've been paying attention. But, man, they, they were horrible on the field. And now right? he's gone. And now he's yeah. gone. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing. Like, as soon as he left, they started winning football. <laughs> yeah. Games. So it was crazy. With their interim cra- cra- Crazy how that works. Yeah. So, yes, it is a big year. Uh, not only for, for recruiting purposes to keep that momentum going, but confidence of the fan base. Like, there there's no it's, – it's a great feeling to be good at recruiting, which Tech is right now, but – you don't want to lose so many games where, like, you don't even enjoy the recruiting aspect of it anymore. You're like, well, another four-star recruit. What does that matter? We're only winning four games a year, mm-hmm. right? You know, you don't you never want to get to that point, right? Um, so yes, very important that you take a step forward this year, and I think they have a chance to do that. Awesome, Chris. Thanks so much for your time, as always. Appreciate it. Will, thanks so much behind the scenes. That goes ahead and wraps up our show today. Again, one more time, Eric Mensa going to be a Hokie, as well as Keelan Adams, two big dogs in the 2024 recruiting class. For Chris Coleman, I'm Giovanni Heater. We'll see you next time. This was episode 301 of the Tech Sideline Podcast.